0: you right, it's the legal lens with Angela Reddock. Right, KBLA talk 1580, every Saturday, 11 a.m. baby. Bringing light to law here to educate, engage, and empower you all. Leading attorneys, policy makers, no faking history in the making. Yeah. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the Legal Lens Show, come on, let's go
1: It's time for the Legal Lens It's time for the Legal Lens Go, 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 Hello KBLA Top 1580 listeners This is the second weekend of September 2022. I hope you had a great last weekend of Labor Day and that you have been finding a way to stay cool and relaxed and hydrated. You are listening to the Legal Lens Show with Angela Reddock Wright, where we bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting to you live from Lemert Park, USA. And for those of you who listen to me every week, you know that Lemert Park in the Crenshaw District are two are part of my favorite places, not just in Los Angeles, not just in California, but in the world. So if you haven't been here lately, make sure you check out Leimert Park and the Crenshaw District. You can listen to us anywhere, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, by downloading our KBLA Talk 1580 app. And you can follow us throughout the week on all socials. So please do so and spread the word. Call a friend, call a family member, call a colleague, and let them know that we have a great, great show planned for you today. We are talking about the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. Let me say that again, the Federal Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the student loan forgiveness program, which was also recently passed by Congress and signed into law by President Biden. And to help us with that conversation, we have two great millennial leaders, Darren Harris, who is the chief of staff to Congresswoman Karen Bass and Kristen McGuire, who is the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Young Invincibles. They are going to help us dissect this conversation and the subject and to help us break down what it means for our communities. But before we bring them into the conversation in our next segment, let me just share a few statistics with you about inflation and about student loans, particularly as it relates to our communities, our black and brown communities in particular. So when it comes to um, US inflation, um, we see fortunately that over the summer that um, rising inflation has started to reduce. So that is a good thing. But statistics show that, of course, Um, Inflation rates have a greater impact, negative impact on black Americans compared to white and other Americans. Um, Statistics show NPR reports that black Americans are substantially more likely than whites to report that they are currently having serious financial problems um, in this period. Um, And Black adults also report facing more serious issues across several areas compared to white Americans. And notably, they are more likely than whites to report not having enough emergency savings to cover at least one month of expenses. And we all know that emergency savings is critical. And in this day and time, it's somewhat of a luxury. Black Americans also report having some problems affording food, and Black renters say that they have they have been evicted or threatened with eviction in the past year more so than white renters and white Americans. And so, the Inflation Reduction Act is designed to do many things, um, but most importantly, to um, slow the economy and to help Americans to. Uh, survive during this time, and so we see support um, around prescription costs, we see support um, in terms of creating jobs, particularly in the climate um, field, and we see other measures which Darren Harris and Kristen McGuire are going to help us dissect around the Inflation Reduction Act. They're also going to help us talk about student loan forgiveness and the recent federal act that passed to help um, many Americans who have student loan debt start to reduce that debt. Let me share with you a few statistics statistics in that regard. So who has student loan debt? 45 million Americans have student loan debt. That's about one in seven Americans, according to the analysis of January 2022 census data by NerdWallet. Um, And those ages 25 to 34 are the most likely to hold student loan debt, but the greatest amount is owed by those who are 36 to 35 to 49. So you're 35 to 49, you're hoping you're well into your career and your life by then, but many of us are still paying student loan debt from many, many years ago. Uh, More student loans about... 82%, 82%, according to a July 2021 report by Measure 1, an academic firm, are owned by the U.S. Department of Education, and the total federal student loan borrow- borrowers is about $43 million, and total outstanding federal student loan debt is about 1.62. Trillion. And of course, um, within those statistics, we know that black students and graduates are impacted the most um, by student loan debt. So st- statistics show that black students take out loans that white students Uh, more so than white students at a rate of 71% compared to 56% um, based on data from the Education Data Initiative. And black college graduates owe $25,000 more in student debt on average than white graduates, the Department of Education found. So we can see, and there are many, many more statistics, but we can see at minimum from these statistics that a discussion on KBLA, Talk 1580, The Legal Lens Show, about the inflation reduction act and about student loan forgiveness is critical in helping us to understand what these federal provisions mean for our community so i hope you'll stay tuned and you'll join us and listen to the insights that darren harris and kristen mcguire have to share with us Um, before we go let me share a couple of things about this day in history on september 9th, 1957 The first civil rights bill to pass Congress since Reconstruction was passed by President Eisenhower. And then on September 9th, 1915, the father of Black history, Carter G. Woodson, founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. And this week in history, we also celebrate the birthdays of actor Ruby Bridges on September 8th, 1954, and music artist Otis Redding on september 9th 1941 and so in honor of otis writing today we'll be playing music by him uh, as we transition to our different segments so stay tuned you're listening to kbla talk 1580 don't turn that dial download our app take us with you wherever you go because we have a lot to talk about more of legal lens with angela reddick wright helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward Thank you for tuning in to KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela Redock Wright. And we have a great show planned for you today. Joining us are two dynamic uh, millennials. Like I want, I think they're millennials. They can confirm for me. Um, Darren Harris, who is Chief of Staff to Congresswoman Karen Bass and Kristen McGuire, who is the Executive Director of Young Invincibles. Good morning, Darren. How are you feeling today?
2: I am feeling great. How are you feeling this morning?
1: Good, good. I understand you got stuck in Dallas
2: last weekend. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yes, but I'm just so happy to be back. Um, Yeah, it was quite a trip, you know, trying to celebrate um, Labor Day. um, Right. Working um, um, families, but um, things happen. And so I'm just happy to be back and, you know, Congress starts next week. So I have plenty of um, 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 space, you know, to get prep for next week for our last three weeks before the election.
1: Right, right. And so in Dallas, you made lemons out of lemonade. Gave you time to reflect on life. <laughs> I like it. Good, good. And also joining us is Kristen McGuire. How are you today, Kristen?
0: Oh, I'm fantastic. I've had a great couple of weeks. And so I'm still writing on Cloud Nine um, and really happy to be here. Thanks for having me today.
1: Of course, of course. And we look forward to kind of hearing what's made those the last couple of weeks great for you. I think a lot of it has to do with the work that you do, plus probably other great things happening in your life. But look forward to hearing that. Let me tell you a little bit about both of our guests and then we'll jump into our discussion. So Darren Harris is the chief of staff for Congresswoman Karen Bass, and he reports directly to the member of Congress and oversees her daily affairs in Congress. Um, Darren is inspired by his parents who always believe that youth is not always wasted on the young, and he is definitely de- demonstrating that in the work that he does every day. He has been engaged throughout Los Angeles and has made such an impact um, in the work that he does. And just some of his highlights, he's an active member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Do you want to do your call sign, Darren? (laughs) It's a call and response. Oh, call and response. Okay, we can't do it then. (laughs) And so hello to all of Darren's Alpha brothers out there. He's also a part of the People for the American Way and the New Leaders Council, and also one of the founders of the Young Black Democratic Club Club of Los Angeles. So welcome, Darren. We're so happy to have you. Um, Kristen McGuire- is the Executive Director for Young Invincibles, which is a national nonprofit dedicated to amplifying the voices of young adults in the political process. Um, She assumed this role after serving as the Western Region Regional Director for the Young Invincibles. Um, She also is an active member of the community and is the first Black American elected to her local school board in November, 2020. And she has been engaged in community organizing and policy change throughout her career. And um, I'll just put put the cat out the bag. Her brother also happens to be Long Beach Vice Mayor Rex Richardson.
2: So welcome, and a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha. You
0: know what? We try to. I'm a Delta (laughs) by myself. I'm a Delta before (laughs) (laughs) our alphas. Let's let's get that right too. Also, I'm a member of. The greatest sorority on earth, Delta Sigma Theta sorority. <laughs>
1: Awesome. So hello to Kristen's Delta sisters out there as well. So um, our show is about legal and policy issues, but we also like to give our guests an opportunity to learn more about I mean, our listeners to learn more about our guests and what kind of motivates you and what brought you to the work that you do. So I'll start with you, Darren. Your bio kind of alludes to it that your parents taught you that youth is not always wasted on the young, but tell us a a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are now as chief of staff to one of the top uh, leaders in Congress
2: oh great well you know the story starts well before me it starts with my parents um, those are the folks who traveled to Los Angeles during the great migration when a lot of um, African Americans left the south to come to um, escape Jim Crow in order to you know um, you know explore new opportunities and so they Settled in a place called Los Angeles and Los Angeles had thriving jobs. It was a safe community. And then somewhere around the 90s, you know, we started to see a transition in um, Los Angeles. And this is when I was coming of age and it was just a perfect storm around 92 with this civil unrest following um, Rodney King's um, um, beating. And um, from there, I would just hear all these conversations of folks in church and in the community Um, Not so much talking about the problem anymore, but talking about ways that they can um, see their city, you know, ways that they can reimagine what South, it was South Central Los Angeles at the time, but what South Los Angeles can be. And so from there, I saw people understanding their power and really using their power, you know, to show how their community can be. And so that is this one value that I just, you know, has always had, you know, since a, a small kid, and so when it came to looking for a career opportunity, um, I knew that I wanted to be uh, one of those folks who was contributing to my community, you know, who's making it people um, uh, um, um forward, you know, making sure that people were at the table when decisions were making, um, when people were making decisions, and so with that, I found myself working for then a majority leader Karen Bass. It was my first job, one of my first jobs out of college, and from there. I explored different opportunities from government affairs work, working with different elected officials, but found myself um, in DC um, because it was at a time where um, president Trump was in um, in the white house. And mm. so any people I was trying to figure out, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? And so um, it was during that tenure too, where I said, well, you know, I could either stay on the sidelines um, or jump right in the middle of the fight. And so, it was um, a um, easy decision for me to make because I like to fight uh, you know, you <laughs> know, with the White House at the time um, and really trying to address some of the um, issues that was um, you know, present. What I found very offensive from the past president was um, he asked African-Americans, what do you have to lose? Um, and so I know that there was a small um, cohort of um, my peers, uh, my black brothers, who, you know, said, well, yeah, what do we have to lose? And I said, ah, 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 we're not going down this road. And so um, that led me to be here in the White House. And so, I mean, within Congress. And then when we had a trifecta, meaning that when the Democrats took over the White House, Congress and the Senate, um, again, talking about perfect storms, I said, this is where we can really make a difference and get some things done. And so that would kind of brought me here.
1: Yes, and we see that happening every day. So we're going to jump into that in just a moment. And Kristen, what gives? A, give us a brief overview of what motivates you and what brings you to this point in your professional life and career.
0: Sure, I think very much like Darren, my my story begins far before. I was here. Um my family uh has just been a long line of social justice warriors. Um my great grandfather owned the first black owned community store in our home community of Palmetto, Alabama, uh which was essentially uh, burned down by the Klan. Um and then when they they followed the horse uh, tracks back, we knew exactly who did it and they told them not to rebuild. Um my grandmother was uh the first black radio host in the community. Oh wow. Yeah. That's and cool. um and her, uh in her uh, foresight and her being uh who she was, she actually sent my mom at seven years old to integrate the school. So my mom integrated the schools uh, in their community uh, when she was in second grade. Um, so that type of fight has just always been in our family to push the envelope, to use our voices as community members, uh, to to make change. Um, so, I think my mom embedded that in my mm-hmm. sibling and I. And I think we were just raised in a way to know that uh, we are here uh, for purposes greater than ourselves. You're right. Um, and to use ourselves for community good. And so that's really what I've I've always done. In 12th grade, I remember we had a ballot initiative here in California to try juveniles as adults. And um, it was the first time I registered to vote. I was getting everyone who was 18 and 12th grade registered to vote um, just so we can vote against this initiative. Uh, we were not successful. The initiative ended up passing, but um, it was really the first time where I knew that there was something that I could do directly. Right. Um, and so I just that that fire has continued to burn in me uh, throughout adulthood, uh, working to get um, through through my own consultancy, working to get young adults elected, um, and now through uh, my role at Young Invincibles for the past almost. Next week will be my seventh year here.
2: Congratulations! Um, wow, congratulations!
0: And right, I'm like of- do, do to retire as is that a thing? Seven years? Can we retire <laughs> seven years? Um, But really, you know, just creating change. I'm I'm a first generation college student. Um, My mom was a single mother after my parents divorced. So there were a lot of things in college that, you know, I had a a zero um, EFC going in financial aid. So there were a lot of things that did not work as well as they should have for students like me. So really being able to create that change so that it works better for current college students is something that's really important to me. Um, And I am really excited every day I wake up that I can look at laws in California and now I can look at federal change and know that I had something to do with that. Um, and that just, it really gives me purpose. So that is that is me.
1: That is wonderful. That has to be such a great feeling to know, but for both of you to know that you're doing work that matters. Kristen, um, for many, this is their first time hearing about the organization Young Invincibles. Give us a, a brief overview of what is Young Invincibles and what do you all do?
0: We're a national policy and advocacy organization based in Washington, d c. We were founded in two thousand and nine uh, by college students around the affordable the Affordable Care Act. Um and so we really worked hard to uh we created our name Young Invincibles based off of what the insurance companies were calling young adults that they didn't need health care because they were young and invincible. So we kind of took that name, reclaimed it, um and fought for pro- pro- provisions like the uh, coverage up until 26 on your parents' health insurance. Um mm. So that is one of the things that Young Invincibles uh, really fought for in the beginning. Since then, uh, we've expanded our work to cover higher education, um, health care expansion, uh, workforce and finance and civic engagement. Um, and we are the nation's largest young adult policy organization. So we do a lot of work across um, six states and in D.C., um, and we've we've, uh, in California, we've got the the student borrowers' Bill of Rights two years ago, where we actually have consumer law protections for student borrowers. Prior to uh, debt cancellation or anything like that, we were really uh, pushing the envelope on what kind of consumer protections student borrowers had.
1: Right, right. Very good. And we look forward to um, hearing about your work on the recent student loan forgiveness um, act that was passed by Congress or by the Congress and the White House. So Darren, let's jump right into our first subject inf- the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed by Congress and signed by the White House President Biden um in August, just in August. Um, in a layman's version, tell our listeners what the Inflation Reduction Act is.
2: Well, this in layman terms um the inflation reduction act really addresses one of um the issues that many americans were talking about leading into the august recess which was inflation why are things costing so much and so this historic achievement i could tell you right now would just not be possible without the help of um, speaker pelosi i mean when we talk about someone who is saving democracy and really taking leadership into her own hands Um, By far, it is uh, a speaker. And so this, again, in layman terms, what the um, landmark legislation means for folks at home is for our seniors, this legislation will lower out-of-pocket costs for prescription drugs, bringing down and capping drug costs at $2,000 per year. And so this is building on um, the Affordable Care Act, you know, that Obama passed back in um during his tenure for working families this legislation blocks in lower premiums under that affordable care act saving 13 million families an average of 800 dollars a year for our children this legislation powers our transition to clean energy you know ensuring that we are able to fight the climate crisis with clean air and clean water which is on a major topic they out in jackson uh, mississippi and saving our our planet for generations to come and for our future, this legislation invests in reducing the deficit by nearly $2 trillion over two decades, driving down inflation in the long term. And so this is just one of the many things that the White House has um, put together um, you know, this year, um, in addition to the Chips and Science Act, which, um, which ensures that we are competitive in the 21st century. Um, ensuring that Finland and Sweden have access to um, NATO, and then one um, that caught a lot of um, notice in the past was the PAC Act, which was um, to honor our duty to care for our historic um, veterans. That John um, Stewart was very, um, you know, took a lot of leadership in promoting. So, in, in short, that's what the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, does. It really drives down the cost for everyday Americans and ensure that we, um, you know, pay down, you know, our um, deficit you know, to bring down inflation in the long run.
1: Excellent, Darren. Thank you for that great overview. We are going to come forward and continue this conversation about the Inflation Reduction Act and the recent Student Loan Forgiveness um, Act that passed in Congress um, with Darren Harris and Kristen McGuire. So stay tuned. You this discussion. They are sharing insights that we can only get from those who are on the ground doing this work. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. Stay tuned with us. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is Legal Lens with Angela Redock-Wright. And today we have um, as our special guest, Darren Harris, who is the Chief of Staff to Congresswoman Karen Bass. And Kristen McGuire, who is the executive director for Young Invincibles, a national organization that focuses on policy issues for young adults throughout the country. Um, they are helping us to... Um, pull back the onion, so to speak, on two topics today. One is the Inflation Reduction Act and the other is related to the recent st- student loan forgiveness um, program that just passed in Congress and signed by the White House. So just before um, we came forward, Darren was sharing, gave us a nice overview of what the Inflation Reduction Act is. Darren, um, one of the misnomers out there is that the the act is called the Inflation Reduction Act, but that is really a a climate bill when you look at it in its, you know, great majority of what it addresses. Can you give us some insights? Is it a climate bill? Or as you said before, it does so much more. It deals with healthcare issues, prescription drugs. Um, what does it do in terms of jobs? Help help us to understand um the title of the
2: bill and what it means. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is more than a climate bill, but it is probably one of the largest piece of um Climate legislation that Congress has passed in a um, significant long time. Um, and so that should not go without being noticed. But just in addition to lowering healthcare costs, as I mentioned before, um, one of the reasons why I got into this work was during the early 90s when we saw a great deal of jobs within South Los Angeles leaving and going overseas. And so what this bill does is um, it really. Um, is, is President Biden's. Um, he, he's keeping his promise to re energize American manufacturing. Um, and so w- in doing this, this um, bill builds American clean energy supply chains. Um, it um, supports American workers with targeted tax incentives. Um, but around, um, um in addition to that, I know that folks are talking about what does it mean around taxes because there is a misnomer about that this bill does put significant money in order to go hunt down folks who are not doing paying their fair share in taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, But what this does is it it really cracks down on those millionaires and those billionaires and those corporations that are evading their obligation. Um, So it's ensuring that those folks pay their fair share and that no person making less than $400,000 per year would see their taxes go up um, by um, a single cent. Now, when it comes to um, creating um, clean energy jobs, uh, we're, we're talking about. It's funny that Labor Day just passed because um, it's really this is really a great partnership with labor and ensuring that you know working class folks are preparing for the um, a, a future. And so, when President Biden was um, running for office, he made another promise, um, and, and so what this law does it includes some of the strongest labor protections and incentives sentence ever attached to a clean energy tax credit. Um, by incentivizing prevailing wages. And so that deals with inflation as well. Um, It stops companies from ripping off workers. um, And it ensures that as we move into this clean space, you know, um, we're dealing with this climate um, um, crisis, that things are made in America again. And so again, it just ensures that America is prepared for the um, future uh, for the 21st century. Um, And ensuring that working Americans are a part of that um journey also, that they're not left off why the corporations and the millionaires and the billionaires, you know, reap all the benefits.
1: Excellent. That's a great place to bring Kristen in. So, Kristen, um, why is this act from the young adult perspective such a big deal? And what do young adults stand to benefit from the Inflation Reduction Act?
0: Sure, I think uh, to to go back to healthcare, it's it's very important when we think about healthcare. Again, it's it's a misnomer that young adults don't care about um, healthcare. About 3.5 million young people aged 18 to 34 utilize marketplace healthcare plans, and so with the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, we're going to have about 13 million Americans who are able to save $800 annually on their health or their healthcare plans. And that's really significant when we're talking about um, additional income that folks will have access to. Um, I think as our insurance rates continue to improve of young, um, within the young, uh, young demographic, we'll see that this cost savings is, is something that, you know, is, is just something that we can't talk about enough. Um, another thing is when we're talking about um, energy, there's a tax rebate uh, for uh, electric cars. And that's also going to directly impact uh, the pockets of young adults. I say that a long time, a lot of times when people say, What do young people care about? The same things the rest of us care about. We care about our pockets. So this is going to be additional income we'll be able to save uh, because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, And then the other thing is when we talk about uh, reducing pollution in the environment, we know that young people care about our planet, as all of us should, because we want to have a planet to continue to live on. Um, And climate change is real. Um, So this this law would reduce about a billion metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, by 2030. And so that's going to help us meet the president's climate goal of cutting pollution in half. Now, as a resident of Southern California, that's important to me. um, And it's important to me as a parent of a child with asthma, who will be an adult with asthma, uh, that we continue to work on ways to kind of become more efficient with our energy, and also, uh, you know, create better air quality for us as Southern California residents. So the Inflation Reduction Act does have a lot of, of climate um, legislation in there. But I look at this as a cross-cutting, overlapping uh, policy that kind of hits all of the things that are important to us right now.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And so that's a good transition to um, second major um Legislation has come out of Congress in the White House in this past 30 days, and that's related to student loan debt forgiveness Um, recent statistics show that as of August 2022. Um, That student loan borrowers in the United States owe a collective nearly $1.7 trillion in federal and private student loan debt. Wow, what a number. And those statistics come out of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. So Darren, uh, again, I'm going to turn to you to give us a quick layperson's overview of what the Student Loan Debt Forgiveness Act does.
2: Wow! So it, it has so much <laughs> in that announcement. But let's I,
1: I, start. I, let's start. You
2: know, with the top one or two things that it does. I, I'll just start with the, the top things. Um, so last month, the president announced um, that his administration will cancel up to twenty thousand dollars worth of um, student debt for Pell, Pell Grant recipients, and up to ten thousand dollars in student debt from non-Pell Grant um, recipients. And this relief will be available to borrowers than one hundred twenty-five. Um, who are earning less than $125,000 annually, our households earn less than $250 annually. Um, And so that's pretty much the short and skinny um, on what the president made, uh, announced um, last month. But I mean, the announcement has so much more in it from you know, camping um, interest rates to um, the amount that you have to pay back when your discretionary income. And then there also are some tweaks with the public student loan forgiveness program. And so, although everybody's focusing on the $20,000 and the $10,000 for those who are making less than $125,000, um, there is so much more in this um, piece of, um, you know, of, um, in this executive action that I know that Kristen and I are looking forward to getting deep into the weeds in a few moments.
1: All right. Well, thank you both for setting us up. We will continue our discussion with Darren Harris and Kristen McGuire on the Student Loan Debt Forgiveness Act. So stay tuned with us. We have a lot to continue to talk about. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright, helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Thank you for staying with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show. And today we are talking to Darren Harris, Chief of Staff to Congresswoman Karen Bass, and Kristen McGuire, the Executive Director of the Young Invincibles. And they've given us a great overview of the Infl- Inflation Reduction Act and what it means to us in our communities. And we we're just delving into the Student Loan Debt Forgiveness Program recently passed by President Biden as well. Um, Kristen, give us the um, perspective of young adults and what this new act student loan debt forgiveness means for young adults and for Black people and the folks in our communities?
0: Sure. So Young Invincibles has actually been working on student debt cancellation for a decade. Um, And I personally have been working on it for the past seven years, really because we're trying trying to frame student debt as a systemic barrier to access to wealth. Um, our student debt crisis now actually as of today is $1.9 trillion and it's widespread across uh, several demographics in our country. So so we know that this is not a, a personal choice. This is not a, a a result of bad decisions people are making. Um, so when we talk about the impact of black people, um, black people overwhelmingly owe student loans after uh, they access higher education for a myriad of reasons. Uh, we generally tend to have less household wealth. So we have to borrow more money to get a degree. Uh, We know black college graduates owe on average about $7,500 more than white peers the moment we graduate. And four years after graduation, we owe an average of 52,000 compared to 28,000 of our white counterparts. When you couple gender onto there, black women hold the majority of student debt in this country. So this is very much a black issue and a social justice issue, which is why it's very important to me. Uh, Something I say all the time is we do everything we're told to do. We bootstrap it. We go to college to be the first in our family with lower incomes only to have to take out more money than our white counterparts because of all the reasons I mentioned, then coupled with making lower wages and hitting glass ceilings sooner, it creates a perfect storm, like Darren mentioned earlier, where we still can't access the quote-unquote American dream like everyone else can, even though we've done exactly everything we were supposed to do. In my personal situation, I went to a state college in the state I lived in uh, with a FAFSA that said my family couldn't afford to give me any money. Um we did that, and I still owe fifty two thousand dollars
1: as as of today
0: as of today.
1: Wow, okay. And Kristen, quickly, what doesn't the student loan debt act um what doesn't it resolve or solve for us?
0: Um. So it doesn't solve the the problem of, of the high borrowers like myself, uh, who will still owe a lot of money because of interest and penalties due to default. And also there is means testing and $125,000 per person is not the same for a lower wealth family.
1: Mm. And what what can borrowers think about next? What's What should we expect next?
0: Uh, we can continue to advocate for more, but first get all of your applications in at studentaid.gov. Uh, for public service loan forgiveness and when the debt cancellation application comes out.
1: Excellent. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580, and we're talking student loan debt forgiveness and what that means for you. So we'll help close out this conversation as we come forward. You don't want to miss it. More of KBLA Talk 1580's all-new weekend lineup when we come forward. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. Kristen, um, we were just talking about the Student Debt Forgiveness Act and uh, what it means for our communities. What else do you want our community to know about this act?
0: Sure. There's a lot of other provisions in this uh, act that are going to be really helpful for us. One, uh, discretionary income for payments has been reduced down to 5%. Uh, it used to be 10% of your discretionary income would be calculated for your student loan payment. That is going down to 5%, again, adding more dollars to your pocket. Uh, also, there is a interest cap where when, you, when they cal- calculate that minimum payment, if it doesn't cover your interest, the government will cover your interest. And that's gonna really get at those ballooning uh, payments due to interest rates that I was talking about uh, in my own situation. And we'll be able to access all of that at studentaid.gov. Uh, where you can currently go for public service loan forgiveness that Darren is mentioning. And also, once the application comes out for debt cancellation, it'll be at studentaid.gov.
1: So fill out those applications, right, Kristen? Yes,
0: and it will not be taxed in California. Um, There are five states who, because their legislature is not in yet, they haven't passed the bills they need for it to be untaxed. But for the most part, most of our states will not be taxing this uh, cancellation.
1: Okay. And Darren, any closing words from your perspective about student loan forgiveness?
2: Sure. I just wanted to highlight what Kristen just mentioned about the, um, the interest cap. I mean, that was one of the ways that I was able to pay down um, some of my um, student loan debt um, during the um, COVID p- pandemic but also just want to share with folks that you have until October 31st for folks who are in the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. That's if you work for a nonprofit or for a government agency that you are eligible to um, receive um, forgiveness. And so I know there's been a lot of um, tweaking to that. Um, There were um, some hardships. And so if you can go to, again, um, www.pslf.gov for more information about how to apply for that public service loan forgiveness waiver.
1: And Darren, in closing, do you have any parting words for our listeners about the upcoming midterms and encouraging folks to get out and vote?
2: I mean, I would just say that elections have consequences and because of having a trifecta again with the White House, with Congress, with the Senate, um, that we were able to do a great um, amount of work, um, You know, starting for um, Justice Brown, all the way up until the student loan forgiveness that we're talking about right now, and so if you can, wherever you're out, make sure that you go out there and you vote because they do have consequences. And how do people stay in touch with your office? If you want to stay in touch with my office or learn more about um, the student loan forgiveness in general, this um, go to bass.house.gov. That's b a s s.house.gov. And there's a red banner on the top of the website that will give you all the information that you need that we weren't able to cover today.
1: And Kristen, how do we stay in touch with Young Invincibles?
0: Sure. Our website is www.younginvincibles.org. You can find us on Twitter at Young Invincibles, on Instagram at Young Invincibles, and TikTok at Young Invincibles.
1: Thank you, Darren Harrison, Kristen McGuire. They have given us great insights about the Federal Inflation Reduction Act and Student Loan Forgiveness Debt Program. Um, Darren is the Chief of Staff of Congresswoman Karen Bass, and Kristen is the Executive Director of Young Invincibles. You have been tuned in to the Legal Lens Show. We've had a great time. We thank these two millennials for all the work they're doing and being on the ground, making such a difference. Next up, we have Cassie Beck would talk tech to me don't want to miss her show and in closing um it's the birthday of ruby bridges this week i leave you with her words i believe that we have to come together and we have to rely on the goodness of each other so let's continue coming together and relying on the goodness among each of us have a great weekend folks and look forward to seeing you next time on the legal end show